0: Welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is your host, Greece Alves. Today I have my beautiful soul sister Sarah Knapp, singer, songwriter, connected with just the magic of love at a super young age. I'm super excited to have you here today. Yes. So Tales of Recovery is a podcast about not just recovery from drug addiction or any kind of, you know, um, substance abuse, but it's a recovery of whatever happens in your life. And how through this process of resilience and fighting for for healing and for freedom, you recover. Mm -hmm. What's always been your divine birthright is what you came here to give as medicine to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So that's the purpose behind this podcast. And also to have fun and to just love on each other and hang out. Hang out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I met Sarah um, through other mutual friends in Golden. I think I went to a woman's ceremony circle. Mm -hmm. And you asked if you could sing for my mom, because your dad has Alzheimer's. My mom has stroke orcers, whatever. She had a stroke. And so um, I just, just love how we connected because when you come and sing to my mom, it's it just lights up her world, the house, everybody. Music is just so healing. Yeah. So how did you start singing? Like how did you get into music and expressing, you know. Your gifts through that? So, I grew up um, in musical theater
1: and on stage and dancing and acting and all of that, and just at a really young age, loved sound. Um, my mom would always tell me that I was like, as a really young girl, would stop people in the grocery store and be like, tug on their shirt and be like, Can I sing for you? Can I sing for you? Can <laughs> I sing for you? Can I sing for you? And That's she'd like, like turn around and be like, Where is she? And be like, Singing for someone. But so, yeah, but I think in my early twenties is when I started to in my early twenties, which is so long ago, um, <laughs> is when I started to realize that like it really was just music for me. You know, it wasn't so much the performing stuff and more mm-hmm. just like really the true medicine of of music.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because I've seen you perform with some really great jazz musicians, mm-hmm. and you're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's such a trip because I used to, you know, think way back, oh, they're an old soul. I'd be like, whatever. But now I deeply understand what they mean by old soul mm-hmm. and just the wisdom that comes with that mm-hmm. and just kind of getting rid of the, oh, I'm in a new human body, but yeah. let me press through and do yeah, my thing. Totally. Yeah. So the main thing we're talking about and sharing with everyone today is the gift of Alzheimer's. So I know you are the main caregiver for your dad. Mm-hmm. So tell us, like, when did he get diagnosed? Mm-hmm. How were, how did it get started? Mm-hmm. How did that all yeah kind of unveil?
1: Yeah. So I just want to, I think, start by saying that my experience with Alzheimer's is my experience. And oh. there are so many people that, you know, I've had a really blessed journey with this mm. specific disease. And there's so many people that don't have that same blessed journey. And, um, yeah, so I'm not in any way saying that Alzheimer's is beautiful for everyone it's like really heartbreaking and heartbreaking for me too but who my dad has become through his alzheimer's is significantly more free and spiritual and at peace and ease than he was before so that's been our our little journey with it but um
0: thank you for saying that yeah we honor those that have had a harder time but this is your perspective and your experience And you're a tale of recovery, so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, I mean, my relationship with my dad growing up was always, like, just trippy and tricky, and he was a um, doctor, He's a dermatologist, and he was on the spectrum also, I, I feel, like a little Asperger situation, and just a total space cadet of a dad and didn't really know, like, he his brain like i would be crying and his brain wouldn't register oh. that i was crying and so he was really like kind of distant and weird but i also got him and he also got me and was like educating me on a lot of like you know beetles stuff and grateful dead stuff at a really young age and just like taught me a lot of you know spiritual truths and tricks um in his very own, very, very strange way. <laughs> so, um, but it, it was tough, you know? I, like, really had a, a lot of shit with him for a lot of my life. And then when I was 22, around tw- yeah, 21, 22 is when he was he was not acting right in high school. But I always kind of thought that was part of just him being oh, a he was. general weirdo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But when, yeah, I was 20 or 21, and people around him started saying, you know, why is he driving past our street and why can't he, you know, what's, like, there's something really going on mm. with his brain. So he went to the doctor and they started seeing dementia and then soon after that they were like, no, this is something else going on. Um, How old is your dad? He's 68. He just turned 68, so it is early onset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my mom, my parents are divorced now, um, and my parents got divorced when I was 19, and then he got diagnosed three months after that. Wow. So this is kind of like...
0: A trigger of... Yeah,
1: I think so. Um, But my mom even told me that she was like, yeah, like, I noticed... I noticed signs for a long time, and like it, I think that is part of the educational piece with this disease. Is like no one teaches you what to look out for, and like how long of an unraveling it can be. Um, so I'm also a little, a little yeah. passionate about like talking about yeah. it, so people can know for their own parents and their grandparents. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. or for ourselves. Or um, for ourselves, totally. I don't know. I'm twice your age. This could be. Yeah. I don't know. totally totally um, so when he's diagnosed what's where, the situation like where are you living can he stay with you do you guys like have a breakdown do they give medication what do they offer you as um, because you asked me this question too in a, one of the talks that we had about your I think it's I don't know one of your reports at school at the University yeah, yeah. what is my experience being a Latin American woman in in um, Acquiring palliative care for my mom, who's Latin American. And I was like, nobody's ever said that word before. Right. We're still trying to cure her stroke. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's important. Like, what, how did, what did someone tell you? Right. Here's a support group, or right. here you yeah. go, there's your diagnosis by... Yeah, right? We're laughing. <laughs> we are the support group.
1: <laughs> Wait, this is the support
0: group. This podcast um, right, here, right here, this is the support group. <laughs>
1: So I was really fortunate in that I was so young when he got sick, and he have, he has like a super power team around him of he's this this couple that he is best friends with that really stepped in and said we're gonna be the power of attorney and we're gonna be the medical, you know, and like Sarah's too young to like navigate this whole. Mm-hmm. Um, thing, which I really think I was, you yeah. know, um, so they were really helpful in in all of just the, you know, like, yeah, I was 20 and he was arranging his will, you know, like just mm-hmm. stepping right into that, like, okay, we're going down mm-hmm. kind of logistical mode. Um, but I, yeah, so he, he was living in an apartment in Pacific Beach and was living alone and so when I I was in college at the time when he got diagnosed and just really immediately felt the call to be like I'm his only daughter he's not married my parents are divorced and I'm gonna be here like fuck that like I don't give a shit about finishing my degree like he's not gonna do this alone and you know just that's really important to me that people that like You know, kids my age understand that, like, regardless of whatever the fuck your parents did to you, and I'm sure they did a lot of fucked up shit, some more than others, like, these people tied your shoes, and these people fed you, and these people, like, were your voice before you had one. So for me to be able to give that back to him and to be like, I'm going to hold your hand in this really... I mean, can you even imagine how scary it is to lose your entire third-dimensional grasp on what's happening here, you know? So I moved home. I was, like, two years into college or three years, and Alzheimer's, like, totally fucked up my whole educational path, which is, in turn, a gift in itself because I think higher education's not really my spot (laughs) anyway. (laughs) So... And he was he was living in an apartment and I was dealing with these kind of things where like he, you know, I'd go into his apartment and be like, okay, dad, I'm going to, you know, have you eaten today? Did you change your underpin? Like yeah. what's going on, you know, and okay, I'm going to make you food. And then I'd see his gas, his electrical gas would be on, like the stove would be on or the door would be unlocked. Or I would just like pick up on these little signs that were like, okay, it's really not safe for him to be living on his own and he would you know sometimes call me and be like I don't know where I am can you come pick me up and like those sort of things were happening to the point where the care team around him me and this couple decided okay let's you know let's get him some supervision so he moved into independent living in the beginning and um, is resourced financially so there was no issue in doing that which has been a whole other aspect of this whole thing that makes it so easy for us yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then maybe a year later he moved into assisted living and then maybe six months after that he moved into memory care which is sort of the full and last final stop in an alzheimer's person's care and journey yeah and he he got lost um when he was in assisted living because they're technically allowed to leave and so he went missing for like almost a whole day and Mm -hmm. that's when we were like okay we need to
0: where did you find him? Where, was he? <laughs> Where did he go?
1: So, um, oh man. So, it was like in August. It was like one of the hottest days of the year. He was living in, uh, assisted living in Pacific Beach. And he left in the morning at 9 a.m. and told the person at the front desk that he was going to go to the beach. And then he said, and then I'm going to go see the pyramids. <laughs> I was kind of like why did you not ask him what pyramids right, what right, pyramids right. I, you know maybe wanna like make sure he has his phone make sure I know that he's leaving like there was no- so off he went oh, gosh. and then I find out found out around 2pm <clears throat> that they he was he hadn't come back he didn't have his phone like there were helicopters all my friends mobilized we posted on Instagram I was like definitely it was a really dark initiation into that like feeling of like, am I gonna see him again? Yeah. It, it did someone pick him up in a van mm-hmm. and he's in fucking Mexico right yeah. now? Like, is he dead on a beach? It was like wicked hot. Yeah. Like and he's not when you have Alzheimer's, you're not in tune with your animal body as much to be like, Oh I, I need to stop walking or like I need some water mm-hmm. or like whatever. And we found him it was really there I like like spiritually just the whole day with like in all the madness and being on the phone and talking to police and like just the craziness would stop every hour and just close my eyes and like call him like call to him and be like dad can you hear me i'm paging you like you need to stop walking like can you feel like did this sort of like universe invocation and was like trying to hear where he was and then at one point it kind of in one of those it kind of clicked I was like oh the pyramid like the the mountain like where we walk like I would always walk him up Mount Soledad Mm -hmm. and so I was like oh shit like da 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 and then called the um one of the... The rangers? Yeah, it was It was actually one of the rangers, which is, like, one of my friends, right? Like, oh, we yeah. had the rangers, and then we had the rangers. Um, <laughs> we had the village rangers who were just, like, Around like people right? would come, and I'd be, like, go walk on the beach, go tell the lifeguards, like, go, you know, mm-hmm. but at one point told them, I'm, like, go look at the bottom of Mount Soledad, like, just go in that whole area, which is where he ended up being, so, um, yeah, one of my friends from high school who I hadn't seen for a few years actually found him, and... He was, he had walked all day. Like, he was pink. He was, he had muscle cramping all night. He, like, never stopped walking because he just went into that, like, fight or flight, like...
0: Keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He took him to the hospital and recovery.
1: Yeah, we, they, that night they were, like, going to take him and then we were just, like, I mean... He physically wasn't okay, but emotionally, mentally was you know, we were just like, Let's not do the you know, let's just like drink Gatorade all night long mm-hmm. and I stayed with him that night and massaged him and mm-hmm. monitored him and he was okay. So
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. See immediately we run to the hospital just yeah, in case. Totally. With the the knowing.
1: Yeah.
0: And he was okay.
1: Yeah, he was okay.
0: Yeah. So the hospital is great. I love hospitals for their help, but sometimes it's yeah. so extra.
1: Totally. 50
0: million tests for, like... Just, like, the oh.
1: fluorescent lights and putting into... You know, he already just had, like, probably the most intense day of his entire
0: life. Yeah, yeah. And to be like, okay, now we're going to go... And probably you everywhere. Pry, yeah, exactly. You know, he didn't need that. He just needed yeah. some love. Some love so. and care. Safety. Yeah. yeah. So then you moved him into this home. And so what is your life now? Mm-hmm. Um... Because I want to ask you about, about your parents' divorce and how this. Because <laughs> I saw mom's you like, at a concert. Well, not about the divorce. This not about the divorce. But tragic. I just saw. Okay, so yeah, at no, one no, point, okay. you were singing at a concert at a show. And your dad is sitting there, and then your mom is sitting there, and you mentioned. My parents are actually like getting along. Mm-hmm. Maybe because your dad forgot everything, or your mom's like, well, he's a different person. Totally. So how has he shifted into a different person?
1: Yeah, totally. So, do you want me to answer the first question about yeah. what our days are like, yeah. what my role is? Or, okay. um, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I tend to do that. I have like five questions in one. I'm sorry. Just so whatever you want to ask.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my, again, it's just a super fortunate golden situation where I was doing a caregiving job. Um for seniors a year ago and then went to this um his power of attorney and was like well can i just do this for him mm-hmm. like i'm seeing him every day for like an hour but like can't i just spend six days six hours a day like making sure that he's having a good life yeah so um for the past year almost i get paid hourly to take him to bubble park and to get him in the world and to like get him into nature and just to, like, really, and obviously that has changed so much because he, in the beginning, could be out until 1 a.m. going to concerts with me and my friends and kind of just, like, I'd pull him out there and we'd be in the world all day and now it's, he can't be out really past four Mm -hmm. because of sundown syndrome, so, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just, like, the best thing ever, like, this, these are the golden years, like, in my life, I really believe to be with him every day through this whole thing, so... Yeah, so um, the this is kind of the part of the gift of Alzheimer's, or like why this specific disease has been such medicine for me, and I do believe like for my family as well, is watching a very neurotic, controlling, tightly wound man, stressed workaholic really deeply emotionally unavailable turn into this gushy gushy ju boo right like he <laughs> soft soft like yeah. he has totally metamorphosized from yeah this like very standard kind of like unavailable father thing to this cosmic darling um, with me so who he's become and this is why you know Ruby said like the the pain is where the the light enters Mm -hmm. you or the wound is where the light enters you like it is so painful what he's experiencing and at the same time as he gets worse with his Alzheimer's his spirit gets
0: more expansive, wider yeah
1: he has more space because there's less of the like ego, identity, memory, blame thing going on. And he's just... And, and, and that's what makes Alzheimer's so scary is how present they are. Mm-hmm. But also what makes Alzheimer's, people with Alzheimer's such spiritual avatars for our society is that they are here. And we're not. I'm not. I yeah. speak for myself. I'm yeah. the back there. I'm in the future. I'm like, well... you know, And they are just here yeah. which can be so scary and such mm-hmm. such chaos but also to be with someone who is has doesn't even have access to the constraints of the past is pretty amazing so yeah my mom and my dad had a just horrible marriage and <laughs> a horrible <laughs> divorce and I, from a really young age was like y'all can you please call this off this sucks for me like it was it was bad mm-hmm. it was really bad my whole life we had a really bad household um and I love my parents both so much and hashtag divine timing whatever yeah. but yeah. um yeah my when he got diagnosed and you know started to get worse I would start asking my mom like come and see him like he's different now he's he's super lovey like come hang out um and she was really resistant and then I think when I started showing her videos where I was like yo no for real he's real. he's like a kid he's like a boy he's just pure love like there's no harm here She, um, for my 25th birthday this past August, I called her, I think, crying, and I was like, Mom, you know, all I really want for my birthday is to be with the both of you in one room. And as, like, an only child, the wound is so deep. And I just think in general, when when you have divorced parents, like, there's something on a cellular level that knows, like, I came from two, and I want to be with two. So, my birthday went mm-hmm. to Cafe Gratitude, and it was me and my um, partner at the time, and my sister, best friend, and my two parents. And I sat between my parents, and I felt that like there was something really deep in my being that just took a sigh and was like, like everything is okay. Like, mm-hmm. oh. like it was just so deep. To sit. I had my hand on both of their knees, and I was just. Like, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna cry right now so you know but that is something that was only made possible by alzheimer's because and it was very deep it was very deep he looked at her and he you know quote unquote didn't know who she was and at the same time was kind of like checking her out the whole time
0: like, kind of cute
1: not oh no straight up he's like I want to date you know like he, he def- oh yeah there's cool. been a lot of really cute advancements in him being like who's that blonde girl like <laughs> she's so pretty that's but awesome I take her on a date whatever and I'm like don't even tell him I'm like that's my mom. We were married for 30 or 25 years. But anyways, but yeah, so he had You this, tell him that or you don't? I don't. I don't. Yeah, mm. I don't. I don't. I do say that's my mom, but at this point in his disease, he doesn't know that I'm his daughter, so he doesn't really know that that makes her my mom, right. and he's, he's, he's lost all of that. So. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's for her, and so we, we hung out that one time in August, and that was okay. There was a lot of like, tension and stress cuz he was really looking at her. You know, he had something there that was like, "But wait.
0: Yeah. I know you. Yeah.
1: I know you." Yeah. You know, and not being able to place that. And then we, you know, for the holidays and the holidays came around, I was like, "Mom, let's just do it. Let's <laughs> just all hang out. I'll throw a party. We'll invite all the families that we love over so it's not just the three of us and like Let's just be together. And she said, okay. So we spent Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's all together. And she, you know, is dealing with her own sadness about what it's like to see this man as a child again. But has also told me some, you know, she was like, yeah, I mean, the way that he is now is how he was when I first fell in love with him. Mm. Just like he's love now again, you know. So there's some really beautiful reflections from her as well and it's just really it's hard for her you know which makes a lot of sense i can't imagine
0: right it's like yeah everybody processes their own experience through their own pain and their own perspective right um so is your dad aware of what's happening to him Mm -hmm. or is he past the point or when did he Sometimes I wonder, like, with my mom, like, does she know? Mm-hmm. I think she does, mm-hmm. but then she doesn't, mm-hmm. but then she does. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, again, it's kind of like, as the disease gets worse, he gets better. Like, in the beginning, mm. which is very, like, directly correlates to the spiritual experience of yeah. being human, in the beginning, he was grasping so hard. He didn't want it to slip. He didn't want to look bad. He didn't want to, like... His ego was like, I'm fine. I'm a doctor. Like, he right. would he would get angry at me. He would, like... He didn't want any of it, like, me making him food. And, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't want that. And as, you know, the years have gone by, now he's like... I don't think he knows, you know? I don't think he... I really don't think he knows anymore that there's quote-unquote something wrong. And I think that's because there isn't. There isn't anything wrong. He's returning to source slowly over time, which is also, I think, the hidden gift of Alzheimer's. And also the thing that makes it such agony is how slow the death is. Mm. it's not once you know and and other diseases work like this too but it's a it's a brain death that's so slow so like a part of him dies every week a part of him dies every month you know but I think he he is happy he is a happy fucking dude yeah yesterday we were walking in the woods and he was just blissed out no problem no Mm. grasping two years ago he would have been you know, right, right on now. some mental <clears throat> tangent, you know, trying to figure it out, and he'll—he still is that way sometimes now, and I'll just be like, "Dad, like, let it go,
0: you know, forget it. Let like, just okay. look. Hey, look at this flower. Look at this flower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or listen to this song.
1: Like, let it go. Don't, don't yeah. worry.
0: That's so cool. How? I mean, it's like you're living the morning before he's gone. Mm-hmm so it's such a opportunity to learn and grow and love, love while you're here. I mean, just the fact that you said, fuck college, I'm going to go back. Because, you know, I struggle being, okay, now I have to take care of my parents, my mom. And there's a lot of, not so much anymore, but a lot of resistance at first. Like, oh, okay, I have to do this now. I have teenagers and I have a job and I have this and that. And, but at the same time as I'm processing it, I'm like, this is a gift and... I do, I mean, you don't have kids, so I do sometimes think like, oof, I think so, my husband and my kids might need me here, but right. but these people are leaving, so, yeah. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'll probably, I could leave before them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I don't know that, so I understand that, that the power of coming back mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to love you mm-hmm. and walk you through this, mm-hmm. bringing your mom in, that's so cool, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, it's like, wow. Right. You're twenty five and just the love and the dedication mm-hmm. of knowing that this is this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's just like such a cultural disaster too. Like yeah. I've had the tremendous privilege of living in India twice and seeing how the you know that part of the world does family and does togetherness and there were so many people that when I was like no this is my path my path is to be with him every fucking day we're like don't lose sight you're in your 20s like you don't want to
0: achieve 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 totally
1: and like oh you're gonna you're gonna get behind you're gonna get behind and I was like chill I am not gonna get behind like I'm also going to focus on what is my passion and my own earth walk, you know, which so beautifully has turned into death studies Mm -hmm. and palliative care and geriatrics Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so I'm like, and then bringing music in with dad and, and all of it has so strangely and yet so perfectly worked together. So, you know, it has been a really young Thing. Like I'm young for doing this, but also it's been, it's like really, you know, beamed me up really quickly into like what, what matters
0: to me. And... Well, there's so much more meaning in this than achieving yeah. and hurrying up and getting the prize before you're 30. Mm-hmm. Big fucking deal. Big fucking you know, deal. in the end, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. And what matters is how we lived and how we loved. And I think, you know, the other cool thing of me connecting with you is mm-hmm. because I, you know, in my, when I was your age, I guess, mm-hmm. I was singing in a band and I got a lot of like, oh, you're 25 or 27, you're mm-hmm. older. Mm-hmm. What? What do you mean I'm older? I'm doing this. I'm singing. It doesn't belong, you know, a career it's isn't just for a 15 year old or a 50 year old or whatever, but seeing that and just, you know, I was going to be. I don't know, like turning 30. And I thought, yeah, I guess I'm too old. I just got to go have kids now. And I fell into the programming and not. And so years later that I meet you, um, it's just been cool because you, when you were singing to my mom one day, my mom said, well, my daughter sings too. Oh, you sing. And that's how kind of we connected in. Well, there's this woman's resistance revival chorus. And it's for social justice and empowering women and resisting whatever we have to resist with joy. Mm -hmm. And now we're like gathering all these girls coming up to sing as you as a leader of this voice or these voices. Mm -hmm. And I look back thinking it's for any age and it's not about achieving, it's about doing and living it. So anybody out there who's young thinking, oh, I'm running out of time. No, you're not running out of time.
1: You are. Because well. you're going to die. <laughs> but
0: you're not. Mm. Well, you're running out of time to love, but not to achieve. Yeah. That's kind of what I meant mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a quote right there. Right there. Grace Alva's original.
0: Boom. You're
1: running out of time to love, but not to achieve. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to post that today. For sure. <laughs> we just have to share. For sure. It's good re- things, things to remember. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you really quickly. You mentioned in there that your dad cannot go out after 4 p.m. because of sundown syndrome? Tell us what sundown syndrome is.
1: So, you know, every day is different with him. Some days he's like a total oracle channel guru, and some days he's frustrated and aggressive. And, you know, I'm, I do not mean to paint the picture of this whole thing. Like, it's nonstop bliss and love and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of shit too. Um but, yeah, so sundown syndrome is just kind of pointing to this phenomenon in the brain where like as after the sun goes down, some seniors with dementia or Alzheimer's can just get a little more confused. Mm. So there are, in the beginning a year ago, I could, I just was super confident. I could take him anywhere. We could do anything for long periods of time. He could be out the whole day, like no problem. And now, Like, we've had several really intense traumatic episodes where he will just dissociate and kind of, like, have a bad trip, basically, in this (laughs) reality and be like, who are you? What's going on? You have to take me, blah, blah, blah. You know, there have been times where we're like, oh, should we call the cops? Do we call the nurses? Mm -hmm. Like, these really intricate situations where you just have to dance with him and pull in as many people as you can to kind of like he like I always say this phrase but he people with Alzheimer's or dementia or just whatever and like we all have this too kind has like a wild horse energy like oh, yeah. he can spook yeah. and it is scary so now I'm just much more conservative about like how many hours we're out I don't really take him out past the sun going down anymore um and just have to be really like even when I bring him over to my house have to be really careful when we're leaving like okay it's time to leave and he'll be like no I want to stay and I'll be like you can't like you got, we got to go back to your house and he's like what what house this what do you mean and you know mm-hmm. can just he's so present that he there's nowhere else wow. for him there is nowhere else there's no other house there's no other place so what do you mean go where so then he can get kind of freaked out. So, okay. yeah, that's what that
0: is. That's so interesting that he's mm-hmm. so present. Mm-hmm. And we're always mm-hmm. up in the mind.
1: And that's what I, I invite. me you now would love for you to come just hang out with us someday. Yeah. I invite lots of people and really anyone. Yeah. <laughs> anyone <at home. laughs> to come and be with him because regardless of what random caca shit he's saying so I mean sometimes he just says the most random nonsensical things for hours which I also think is wisdom like I'm always writing down what he's saying and recording it but regardless of what he's saying the way that he bees how he just be is so present and so tender and so good yeah. to all people I mean when we go on walks every single person that walks by he says hi hello hey you know he's so just cool. like just the little Buddha you know yeah. all the time so he's a really like healing he has a very healing presence
0: that's so I cool I believe
1: yeah
0: and you know I'm mean, going to have to practice so much just to be present totally and here he is just totally showing you totally showing us I definitely want to hang out with him oh please yeah it's funny, my mom's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. We're always like, Mom, she wants to talk to everyone and ask them yeah. how their day was. she that And before, where did you buy your shoes? Yeah. yeah she was kind of like that since before. <laughs> and my dad kind of was, too. <clears throat> always He's talking always to people. always a man
1: of the people, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. My mom is friends with everyone. Yeah. Like, we crossed the border every day for years, and she had the newspaper guy who she <sighs> knew, and the lady that sold the candy, and so and so, and they were all her friends, Like, if she didn't have money, they'd say, oh, it's fine, you catch me later, because she was just, she Mm -hmm. talks to everyone. We'd always be like, mom, we gotta go. But, oh, their hat, where'd you get your hat? So it's, it's just the perspective shifts now. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's been really cool for a long time, and I was just in my own pain, you know, not seeing things straight. In my process of growth, like we all have, you know? Totally. but it's, it's fascinating to me how we've come together. And I, you know, I just finished a whole year and a half of deep studies of natalology, mm-hmm. which is the study of, of death. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're so intrigued by it. And I think that's, to me, the best way to live mm-hmm. is diving in 100% into what's, what's, what is death instead of we all just want to avoid it and stay young and be healthy and never ever get I mean it's of course we want to preserve these vehicles yeah. of energy and love but there's so much more so much more than that mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I mean have you did you did you think about these things prior to your dad getting sick mm-hmm.
1: it's so funny because I um, was just growing up like I think I just had so I mean we all do but it's, it's so much pain like I was just it was that my family environment was so I was I just feel, I just felt so undernourished okay. and alone yeah. yeah so my response to that with as far as my personality goes was to be really funny and really positive so my whole life I was just like the sunny side of the straight. Like, obnoxiously so. Like, in high school, after high school, I mean, people liked to be around me because I was always serving that positive vibe. But it was so exhausting. And it was on top of so much shit that I just could not yeah. be with. And so, taking a gothic turn...
0: <laughs> yeah. has
1: <laughs> been so... Liberating for me and really being like, No, I do the darkness now.
0: And Hello, like, I, Shadow. <laughs> I embrace darkness, you.
1: My old friend, <laughs> like, has just been the shit to be and, and really cannot even say that that's not because of Golden, my mentor. Yes,
0: Can Golden. We just shout out to Golden Awakening. At Golden Awakening. At Golden. The bomb. Okay. Goddess queen, Goddess queen,
1: Oracle of San Diego, yeah. was dead ass the first person to be like, you have to get in there, darling. Yeah. You have to get in there. Like, you're yeah. not going to live unless you get into that darker cave of shit, you know? Yeah. That, like, those crossbones and skulls. So now I'm really interested in that. And mm-hmm. that was also a shift in my perspective of the whole yin and yang thing and that they work together these darker and lighter energies and forces to make what this thing we call life is. Mm-hmm. And... But that we're just, I think, culturally so conditioned to, like, not grieve and to not cry and to not think about death and to not...
0: And to be you know, scared of it.
1: And to be scared of it. Yeah. Which is so... I th- And I'm reading this book called Die Wise by mm-hmm. Stephen Jenkinson, which is, like, so rich and such an initiatory text... But he was just like, it is your right as a human being. You got born, didn't you? Yeah. You, that happened. So you're going to die, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So, like, it is your right to be curious about this and to look into this mm. and to, you know, to till the soil of what is going to happen to you at any moment. We yeah. don't know. You know, so it, like, am I great at being, like, constantly, like, oh, the precious miracle of life? Not at all. (laughs) I'm just, like, annoyed and sad and frustrated and confused just like anybody else. And at the same time, like, bringing death into my daily life is a way for, if even for a moment, to say, here we are. That's pretty cool.
0: It's so cool, and I also sometimes feel so much sorrow at just how beautiful it is. Oh my God. Oh. Like, it's not always like, oh, cool. The ocean is phenomenal. It's like, honestly, I would sit there and I look at my kids and I look at my husband and my friend. Even just this moment here, I'm feeling this surge of sorrow right now, because all I think is it's gonna end. It's so beautiful and it's gonna end. Don't waste your time in stupid programming and bullshit and. You know, dig deep and get in there, and um, and then of course I have moments of just laughter and enjoyment, but yeah. but I do feel that, and maybe it's a grieving of I don't know that I didn't start sooner or whatever, but I think you know I was living pretty loud and large yeah, since I was maybe fourteen and fifteen.
1: Living wow, <laughs>
0: But I think the sorrow is—it's a deep love. It's not like a sadness. Like oh my god, it's like this deep sense of—it's so precious. Mm-hmm. It's like, You know when you see this little baby or whatever, and you're just like oh my god, mm-hmm. you're so precious, and you can't control it. That's kind of the feeling I get sometimes about life and just—you mm-hmm. know. So I love watching you on Instagram, which of course everyone needs to go follow you at Everything True Is Free.
1: Came up with that when I was fourteen. I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no, no. Yo, no, woke, like, Chad. So lame, but okay.
0: <laughs> Actually, why is it lame? You know what? It's not lame. It's it's powerful, and number two, since I can remember, that's what my dad used to say to us. Mm. Everything a value has no cost. Mm. What? What? Like I didn't understand. You know, he's like, the best things in life is just. The only, it's not worth any kind of money loving someone. Mm-hmm. And just that's what life is about. And I would be like, oh, whatever, dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go make some more money because I need to go crap." You know, yeah. I mean, I didn't get it. Yeah. So when I saw your name is Everything true, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> see, my dad used to say that. <laughs> and so, no, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. So the way you live your life um, in such freedom and expression, is bomb and it's really i think inspiring Mm -hmm. and so
1: i have two two things this time okay yeah so one is thank you and just to like fully expose my human-ness like you know so much of being alone with dad is very lonely for me. Mm. Like, it's just me and him and the witness, God, spirit, nature, whatever, that showing it on Instagram has been deeply healing. And also, there is something there that I don't want to feel when I'm just alone with him in it, you know? And I... My friends make fun of me that I'm like a my my dear friend recently called me a compulsive oversharer, <laughs> <laughs> which I received with so I was like oh yes finally like you know and as so I do have this like compulsive tendency to like talk all day and communicate all day and share all day and like yes that is beautiful and that is expressed for sure and it is a gift. And there's also this other thing there that I'm just so afraid to be ultimately what we all are, which is alone. And also never alone. But I I feel alone a lot, you know? And so I'm always on the phone and always sharing on Instagram and always like, you know, so there's something there too. So anyways, I'm human I'm fucked up. I have no idea what's going on. And the second thing I wanted to share is this beautiful just reflecting on your... the sorrowness mm-hmm. of the joy and how it's all gonna go away and, like, I have a background in Buddhism and so, like, impermanence, you know, yeah. I'm kind of used to that intellectually of just, like, everything's gonna go away, like, everything dies, and there are some things that I truly believe won't, you know, certain relationships. I'm like, no. Yeah. I will never lose them. God would never do that to me. <laughs> like, I would become insane. But... Um, there's this word in Farsi um, my sister is Persian and her family is Persian and they've like really taught me a lot and influenced my life mm. so much and took care of me when I was a fucking mess when everything was falling apart right. and it's um, khayesh. it's like oh khayesh. oh ah, khayesh. I don't really know how to spell it but it means like oh my heart is touched basically it means like whenever I do it. I always go. Oh, it's like, oh, like like, it's just like that. It's you can't even say it in English, but it's like that thing that breaks your heart. And so people say, oh, like when they either feel compassion or when you look at a newborn baby, you go, Mm -hmm. oh, like the tenderness, or when you see a sunset, Mm -hmm. oh, like "Mm," you know, so. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe in English like what it means to be so present that anything can break your heart. You know, and I'm so I don't I feel so numb to that a lot of the time. Like Mm. I'm jealous that you can cry just maybe tears right there because I don't have that yet. Um, so teach me. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'll say like, oh, this moment, oh, this moment is full of so much sorrow and so much joy, and that's.
0: I think... Okay, I'm going to cry again. I love you. No, because look. Look. Here's the thing.
1: Listen up.
0: I think we are stripped of our intensity because we're told Mm -hmm. so much, you're oversharing. Mm -hmm. You're being too loud. Mm -hmm. You're oversaying. Mm -hmm. You're overdoing. So there's a sense of, okay, I shouldn't feel so much. I shouldn't share so much. I shouldn't speak so much. And I'll tell you something. I'm twice your age, so you can overshare, you can't overfeel, you can be intense. We're supposed to be intense. Mm. And so of course there's pain and struggle and everyone's got their journey. But if that's one of the programming things that gets in there to not allow us to feel, mm. fuck that. <sighs> feel. Go for it. <sighs> fuck that. Fuck that. Overshare. Live. Be intense. Okay? Okay. With you a lot, of, you heard, thing. you heard it here, and tells of recovery. Just you know, <clears throat> there's always, of course, okay. a frame of safety and compassion and respect for others. But, but we're so mm. uh, a lot, you know, we're so trapped in many compressed. ways and compressed. compressed. Yeah, and so and it's taken me a long time to even just be in here, saying I right. want to do this and I want to feel that and right. and what right. I pay my taxes. Right. <laughs> I clean my street.
1: I'm going to be as loud as I
0: want. I'm going to be loud as I want. Oh, and if sure. somebody up there in the church gets upset, too bad. Yeah, for sure. And if my family gets upset, I apologize. Sure. You got your own life to live. <laughs> I love you all. From far away sometimes, <laughs> from close up sometimes. Best.
1: The <laughs> yeah, best. That's and being around you has liberated me in that Aww. way. You have this unleashed philosophy that is that is directly transmitted through you the way that you be for sure oh. and it is like I do appreciate that because it is I think especially as a woman um and just kind of playing into my own stories about myself like I'm always like I'm too much like oh. I'm too much I just gotta tone this down because I love too much. I love too big. I talk too much. I like, I'm just so much, you know, and kind of balancing that with also finding a way to be at home with just this yeah. moment and myself yeah. and my dad and yeah. the cosmos, yeah. you know, and having kind of both of those exist at the same time. Yeah. So thank you.
0: Yeah. I had a logo. When I was about your age, for my record company, and it was called Too Much Is Just Right Productions. Mm. So So, you know, and I do sometimes think your soul is so much bigger than sometimes the entrapment of the body in society. So it takes time to expand into it. Yeah, be patient, my cricket. Right, right. But it's yeah, yeah, no, lead on. Right, because I'm inspired by you. And all these girls that are coming, you know, alongside you, and this community that you are creating in this woman's chorus, and chorus choir—I don't know what you call it—we're mm-hmm. singing, y'all. Yeah. Stay tuned for the yeah. next performances, and if you can sing, send us a message. Yeah. We'd love to have Maybe you come we over. Yeah. So let's do a big plug here. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the Resistance Revival Chorus is a movement that was started in New York after. He who shall not be named was elected. And um, it is a way to respond to the ancient and current atrocities of this society matrix thing with resistance and spiritual songs and love and power and just the women coming Joy. together. And women, I mean, all women, all women identifying humans, like all non-binary humans are welcome to express themselves through song. so we meet on Sundays the time is changing It is, we've founded the San Diego chapter of that and we are multi-generational multilingual multi-dimensional um <laughs> multi-faith multi-faith all the multis all the multis we're the multis multi-cool um,
0: <laughs> multi-badass
1: multi-badass <laughs> Um, and we, yeah, we're we're conjuring up some things for San Diego to, to sing at the border, to sing in women's prisons, to sing, yeah. and to rally and raise money for nonprofits, and just to give the kind of unleashed queens of Southern California or San Diego a place to come and roar.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So use your voice for a purpose. Yeah. Come and join us. Yeah message everything's true and free yeah. everything or true is everything free. true is free <laughs> <laughs> everything true is free i'm gonna write it on the okay. thing so y'all have it perfectly well written <laughs> or agri salvis yeah um thank you so much for coming on here oh my gosh, and sharing amazing. your thank love you. and your spirit we're alive yeah so we're alive much. thank you also
1: i don't know just like i talked so much but you're the shit. Thank you. You're amazing. You didn't talk so I much. Everyone should work with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Come work with me. Come work with me. Come join the chorus for now. Okay. Thank you guys for ta- hopping on in Tales of Recovery. We will see you next time. Love and light. Mm-hmm.